for me, I, I just, I, I, I hold myself to an unrealistic standard that it meant that it was like, okay, well it needs to, I need to say something. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. On this episode, I talk with Ben Shaw about his new album and novella, Madeline. In our conversation, we discuss how the concept for this project came about, where we really get into the album's evolution in the studio, the message he's working to convey with the story, as well as the important role of women in his life. Madeline comes out on December 9th and will be celebrated with a release party that evening at Machines with Magnets in Pawtucket. Chrissy Stewart will be opening, and tickets and more info are available now at benjaminshawmusic.com. Enjoy! For this album, you wrote a novella. Yeah. I have never encountered that uh, from another artist, like taking on that amount of work um, and and then also printing these up, having them, you know, printed locally here in Rhode Island. At, yeah, know, she in, man. Um, Doing it again. You know, so creating this stuff where, yeah, it could have been easily like, oh, well, it's a digital download yeah. or whatever else. But like you're making these books and, you know, you're going to have an album, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd love to learn more about this album, the novella, how it all kind of came about. Like even from just the uh, starting point, like what came first? Like did you have the story for the novella in mind and then kind of wrote an album around it? Or did you have a series of songs that you saw a through line with and you said, you know, maybe if I just take it to the next level, this will kind of pull it together. Like what was that initial, uh, you know, spark of inspiration? Well, I've always, I've always loved concept albums. I've Mm -hmm. always been a big fan of something that has scope to it. You know, it's, you, you look at like a symphony or you look at like, like I said, a concept album. Like I was obsessed with Dark Side of the Moon when I was a kid. Okay. And how it really beginning to end was just really well thought out, well planned. And I remember, you know, like some touchstones in my life were like that. And then actually like Lord of the Flies. I remember reading that okay. when I was in like seventh grade. I was like a year before anyone else read it because I heard that it was like a weird book and it was something like (laughs) wrong with it. And I was like, okay, I remember reading that and thinking like, there's something in here that I'm not getting. And then when we started reading it in school, learning about all the symbolism in in everything that was involved and just thinking like, is, is William Golding actually like planning this stuff out and thinking about it. And so that from then on just like got me to really focus on, at every, every, every uh, different place in a project, at mm-hmm. every, any like any point in a project, I'm always kind of looking at like what is this saying? What are the sort of the larger narratives? What's the purpose behind it? Ultimately, leading to like, is it intentional mm-hmm. that I make this choice? You know, and I I think sometimes that hurts me because I'm so focused on everything being intentional, everything having a purpose that sometimes I get lost in the weeds or I decide to like put everything, try to put everything in it. Oh, okay. And, and then I spend way too much time, fo- you know, fidgeting over details rather than letting things come as they are and be what they are. And I think songwriting has kind of helped me do that because this music and especially like, well, more so jazz than anything, it's, it's so improvisational that you have to be open to the moment. You have to be open to things. And so when I'm like working on all this stuff, I'm, I'm getting those two different worlds, like the really detail oriented, this stuff needs to matter. This stuff needs to have purpose and the kind of like, let it go, like let it be what it is. And so it's like these opposing forces kind of met into, you know, this, this, 
this part of my life where I started writing songs and everything where I wanted them to be super detailed and super personal and mean a lot. But then in the performance of them, I want them to have this looseness and this, okay. and this life and to, and to breathe a little bit more. And so as we were doing, you know, as we were playing out more, as I was writing songs and everything, I, I started to, you know, just let whatever came out, came out, you know, because I was really focused on being, Early on, I really wanted to be sort of like sad boy, um, you know, song <laughs> songwriter, like um, you know, like really quiet songs, really like brooding. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just not that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just. I've, I've just. I'm too obsessed with like Tom Waits to be like, you know, to just not kind of let the freak flag fly a little bit. I got you. you know, yeah, yeah. You know, to use a well-worn cliche. Not something that he would do, of course, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just, I, I found with him, the thing that really brought me to him so much and that like settled my brain around him. Like I just latched onto Tom Waits was that he was doing anything he wanted to. Oh, he yeah, wasn't yeah. limiting himself. He was doing like the quiet brooding piano balladeer thing mm -hmm. earlier in his career. But then by the time he gets to his later career, you know, swordfish trombones and beyond, He's pretty much throwing the dice and like whatever hits the wall and comes up. Like if he's got snake eyes, he's doing it this way. If he's only got, you know, three and a six, it's like he can make yeah, that yeah, work. Yeah. You know, he just, he does such a good job at exploring this whole slew of music that I just decided that, yes, that's, that's how I'm going to kind of approach this. And so songwriting gave me that sort of, um, that open palette, you know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of blank slate to just create and everything was going to fall under this like umbrella. So I started writing songs and I started working on them. And through that, I exploring different genres and just letting that be what it is. Then I got to kind of step back and, and look at the details that were appearing mm -hmm. and say like, Oh, this is, this kind of relates to this over here. This thematically, this kind of works with this, what I'm saying in this song. And by the time I hit Madeline and I wrote that, it just, everything kind of, it was like it, there was this puzzle piece that just like clicked in the middle and everything sort of like went around it and it was like, oh, okay, here's a story that I can kind of build. And then a couple more songs found their way to me, like um, like uh, the song Tomorrow okay. was was one of the, that was probably the last song I wrote because there were a couple songs that came before on the album, before Madeline. And then it just, like I said, once I had that, it was sort of like the, um, the capstone to like hold the arch together. Okay. And yeah. then it was like, okay, well now I'm looking for details. Now I'm looking for purpose. What, why should all these songs appear on an album together? Why, what are they trying to say? Cause again, if it, is it just like a collection of songs, it doesn't really interest me. I love it when other people do it, but for me, I, I just, I, I, I hold myself to an unrealistic standard that it meant that it was like, okay, well it needs to, I need to say something. Yeah. Okay. If I'm not saying something, then I need to I'm, connect all of this stuff and right. like present it. Like this is why this is to here. Exactly. If not saying something saying, I'm saying nothing. In, oh, okay. In, again, that's, that's for me. That's not for anyone else's because I love. I love just rando albums, like mm -hmm. albums that just feel like I had this collection of songs. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I through that. Then when I discovered that there was like this story that I found through it, then I realized that, well, I'm going to be the only person that really understands what the story is. I don't it, it was clear to me, but I don't think clear enough. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, how am I going to do this? And through my uh, classical composition, one of the things that I had done for a couple of pieces is write short stories to sort of kind of kick up some dust on some bad ideas oh, okay. and, yeah. and figure out how to connect them. And I was like, okay, so I could write like a short story. And then I was like, well, I could, I should write short stories for like every song. And then it just turned into like, well, then that means that it'll be a novella. Like, yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm doing that. <laughs> so I, I just, I started waking up before work. Um, I would wake up like about an hour earlier, eat breakfast and then work for a solid hour. And I did that for like a few months and just kind of banged it out. In yeah. The mornings. Okay. And what was your writing process 
like for that then? Uh, um, like, was it a lot of like free writing to, to kind of get that out there? Or did you like kind of know the story arc uh, yeah. at the beginning? Um, to be honest, what I did is I just, I, I got all the lyrics together. I just put them, oh, okay. I just put them, put them on a word doc and I just started filling in blanks because I've kind of worked backwards like that before where I've had a story in mind and I've whittled it down to the lyrics or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes prose is much easier than poetry in order to like get your ideas across. So yeah. I'll start sometimes with just like the general outline of this is, these are the beats I want to hit. And then I'll just like chisel away all the chaff and, you know, all the, all the weak parts and just kind of trim the fat until I get down to the, the real good hearty bones of it, the real kind of meat and potatoes of this, of this yeah. song. And that's, and that'll be that. But this way was interesting because it's just working backwards. So it's, oh, okay. yeah, it's like yeah. now I'm just, I, I don't have to be, I could be a little bit more descriptive, um, you know, try to get, uh, try to get as close to like, John Steinbeck as possible where it's like simple language but evocative language mm -hmm. is what I was really trying to go for. Uh, anyone who's reading reading it might look at it and be like, yo, you got so far away from Steinbeck. It's, it's laughable <laughs> you say that. Yeah. But that was kind of the goal was like he was, he's kind of my literary hero um, just because of that ease of language mm -hmm. and that, you know, there, the barrier to understanding him is like, a, he's like, if John Prine wrote books yeah, in, in a way, yeah. and it yeah. just maybe a little bit more off center than John Prine, but that's kind of what I was going for. Yeah. And so the songwriting actually helped that because I was trying to be simplistic in the songwriting. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. And so it was just, it was just honestly connecting the dots and then okay. filling in and, you know, just making sure that it made sense and then going back and, you know, revising or whatever. I mean, one thing that was interesting to me is like, so I was listening to the album and, you know, heard some songs prior to that and reading the novella, it almost seems like it could go either way. Like, mm. it seems like you could either listen to the album and then have it augmented by reading this book that kind of fills in that gap. But reading the novella, uh, it's a great story. Oh, thanks, um, but then it almost seems like you could just read that book and then like, oh, there's an accompanying album to yeah. this. And then here's some other pieces that are going to be there. You know, those little uh, nods or those little, like little pieces of, you know, lyrics that are in both, um, right. you know, um, kind of connect it. So yeah, it was a really like interesting experience to be able to do that and definitely recommend anyone to please buy this and, and experience that for yourself. But, um, you know, with regard to the story, and again, you can keep, secret whatever you want i've actually never interviewed a person that has written a book so i don't know what, <laughs> what they want to get out there i mean i watch stephen colbert do stuff when he's talking to actors and be like yeah. i can't tell you the plot of them or i can't tell you the ending yeah or yeah yeah so i don't want to do that but you know uh to me a lot of it um kind of had that like sort of window into like a playful therapy session between yeah you know, madeline who was this you know um or, or between the two characters it was um, almost this like want to be, you know, aspiring person and this used to be successful person meeting and what that interaction was like and their right. perspectives on life and, um, you know, the struggles that can be there from being a musician, 
um, struggles of being later in life and, you know, losing someone and whatever else it is, you know, um, was there some personal experience that you brought into this? Like was, you know, cause, uh, the musician was it like, oh, how, yeah. how much did you pull in? Was that like, this is, I mean, not saying that it was like, this is my life, but was there like a lot of that type of experience of being behind a microphone and being like, you know, that, that, you know, obviously you're aspiring for stuff, you're doing these yeah. things, but like how much personal uh, experience kind of came into that and had that, um, you know, influence on, on your writing for this? Yeah. I mean, like for, for the first song, like the late set, for instance, mm -hmm. I mean, that is, that was pulled from, you know, uh, doing, doing late night bar gigs. I mean, that's part of, part of this album is, is a, a tribute in a way to that, that sound, that kind of bar band sound, that that rock and roll thing that I that I grew up loving, you know. Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to go back to this like experimental Americana sound for the album, and part of that is because I have such an affection, a love hate relationship, let's call it, with being in bar bands and doing that. And then there okay. are guys who have done it for more years than I have and have done worse gigs, but I've played some real bad, real. <laughs> like awful gigs and I as I think a lot of us have I mean I yeah. think that's one thing that I I hope is most relatable is is between like musicians or just people regular like working people who have that real shit job that they don't enjoy that they don't like because mm -hmm. it's also not just the late night bar gigs of which I've done a lot either you know as a sideman where you're I'm just playing saxophone I'm just trying to figure out what I'm doing or I'm the lead, you know, guitar and vocalist and playing piano and we're doing, it's like 10 to one. And sometimes <laughs> you don't get it. You're loading your stuff out at one and you're getting out at two o'clock and you're like trying to not get in fights with the people who have had a few too many to drink yeah, and they yeah. just really love your music and they really want to tell you. And it's, it's great, but they just get a, you know, everyone wants to like kind of mess with your gear or, and then you got to like find some guy to tell you that like, oh, well, you didn't bring people in tonight. I don't know if I could pay you what I told you I would pay you in the email. Yeah. And, you know, it's all those experiences just kind of wrapped up. Plus, honestly, like working really, I've worked some like really weird, bad jobs. Like, uh -huh. like I remember I've worked in a factory for a few weeks once. I've, you know, done tree climbing and worked with guys that are just like, uh, you know, all manner of just like <laughs> psychotic, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> trying to try to break you down mentally. And it's just, you know, I just have had those experiences where you're just like done with it. And mm -hmm. that really just, I, I wanted to work that into like that guy, the singer who's just, he's just kind of like beaten down by the whole thing. You know, mm -hmm. he, in the song, he talks about traveling to like uh, New Orleans and uh, Kansas City and all that. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't done that, you know, which is a bit of wishful thinking, you know, on my part because I wish I had been able to do that. He, the the guy in the story, actually like took a shot in uh, in a way that I never have been able to. But he he still like me finds himself jaded in a way. Mm -hmm. and I think mostly like towards the end of my twenties, stupidly, you know, which is like. Because you don't know any better, you know, when you're that young, you just think like, oh, I've been doing this forever. Come on, when's my time and all that stuff? And yeah, you just yeah. get kind of pissy with everything. And like, mm -hmm. you're you're just with your bandmates and you're like, what the hell, man? We're, we're so much, <laughs> but come on, we're better than this. Yeah, yeah. And so I know that sort of angsty, pissed off guy because I've been him. I, I feel like one thing that I really want to make a point of is that you know, I've, I've kind of been a lot of what this guy has been. I think a lot of people have for good and bad. And I've been a lot of what Madeline has been, Yeah. you know, where she, she finds herself, you know, kind of lost or in a rut, but still has hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that being sort of the main theme of it all to me was the kind of many faces of hope, you know, I was, yeah. I was, I, um, I'm, I'm, you know, fast, endlessly fascinated now by, like we were talking about earlier, you know, growing up in a town in Rhode Island that had like no identifiable features of it being in Rhode Island and then <laughs> kind of being open to the wider, tiny, as it is, state. 
you know, I, I find myself really kind of in love with this place and like the weirdness of it being like such a bravado, you know, laden state it being the smallest state and all that stuff. But I really love the idea of hope mm-hmm. and how we cling to that. And that being sort of this general theme that I, I that I really wanted to inject into the book that again, being a person at kind of both sides of this, where I can have hope, I can have no hope. And just like the, the different ways that hope manifests itself in both characters is kind of one of the bigger themes that I hope people take away from that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a long winded way of saying that, yes, James, I, I do find myself feeling like, <laughs> like this. I see, I, I told you at the beginning of this thing, it's like, I'm going to try to be concise. And, yeah. yeah. And, and no, work. No, it's... But, but yeah, it's, um, I, I yeah. But I with that some of, you know, so a lot of the imagery, like the cover and uh, a lot of things are very, dark like yeah you know um was that an intentional piece to kind of marry those two things you know because obviously yeah there is a lot of um you know hope and uh you know inspiration that kind of comes like picking each other up but uh but at that same time there's it is a a pretty heavy story there's a lot of that um you know sadness that can come from both of the characters that are there um, but yeah, was that an intentional thing of like I want it to be, or was that just you know working with the photographer and just being like, oh, these are cool looking, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, or was it like I want it to be, you know, uh, yeah. you know, dark kind of mysterious imagery, and and you know, even with the single covers, they're just all very dark, um, you know. So I thank you for noticing that because that was that was one of those intentional things. Okay, that, cool. That I did have is that I I made an album. Uh, I mean, the EP seven songs is very light, you mm-hmm. know, it's, I mean, it's, it's taken, there's the picture is of me in the front looking towards light and there's, you know, some shadow around me, but mostly it's a very kind of like bright, happy album. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, I kind of wanted to, what if you turn the other way mm-hmm. towards those shadows and everything and, and that idea of that kind of like darker tone to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's there's still a lot of light in this album, but I really wanted to make that point come across clear in the photos. Like mm-hmm. Madison Van Wylen took them for me, and um, she did a great job. And actually, strangely enough, that particular shot that we used on the cover is the exact kind of like pose and weird thing I had in my mind, but oh, okay. I didn't know like how to explain like how to do that, how to achieve that, and all that. And so I would just, you know, we were getting comfortable in this, in the photo session. And I just kind of like started doing these things with my hands and like the guitar, but I didn't want to say, it's like, I want to hold my hand like this. And I want to have the guitar like this. Cause I was kind of embarrassed. You know, I, I'm like, I want to be, I want to be artsy. I like, I want everything to be artistic and have meaning. Yeah. But that particular picture is really, I think really evokes the, mm-hmm. the other kind of central theme that kind of goes hand in hand with hope, this idea of shadow and light. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a part where, and I go back and forth on whether or not I think I nailed this concept or not, but where Madeline is talking to the singer about, um, you know, everyone thinks the world is so dark, you know, because you spend your whole life looking down at your feet, you know, kind of hunched over yourself. But what you don't realize is that the only reason it's dark is because you're, you've put yourself in shadow. And mm-hmm. that if you could just take the risk and turn around, you would see that there's the sun behind you and that the world can open up and it can be beautiful. Which I think is an imperfect metaphor in a way because there are a lot of people that find themselves unable to to do that for themselves. And there's a lot of us who you know, have found ways to do that. Mm -hmm. So we talked in our previous conversation about, you know, seeking counseling or seeking different things, ways to help you grow and be able to find your way to the light, Mm -hmm. you know, for, to really just strangle the hell out of this metaphor. But it was, that was a very intentional thing for me to, to focus on that there may be darkness surrounding you at all times, but, 
whether or not you believe it, there is a sliver of light coming through somewhere. The world is never totally encased in blackness. It is not all void to Mm -hmm. you. You you were not in the, you know, you know, this wide expanse of the universe with no walls and everything is just nothingness. There is still always going to be that little bit of hope. If, and if you can find a way to that, I, you know, either through therapy or, you know, family or a relationship Mm -hmm. or just, you know, piss and vinegar and your own gumption, (laughs) you know, it's like whatever it takes to get there. And that was, that was really important for me to like really focus in on that. And sometimes I think maybe at the expense of being, uh, you know, well thought out sometimes, but sometimes I just, I imagine I just hammer home that metaphor in the book, but, mm-hmm. but that was a really important thing for yeah. me to, to, to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a great concept to, to present and to kind of, uh, have that, you know, at the forefront of, of the story. Cause yeah, I mean, it, it does marry both of those sides, you know, of, uh, there is a lot of hope, but there's a lot of yeah. like, self-reflection you know helping each other out you know between the two people like just pushing through whatever um troubles there are you know like there's just a lot of like um encouraging pieces and just also just again like really relatable like yeah i I would be surprised to find a musician that reads this and can't identify with yeah with that you know uh well and that's also um, like talking about the hope piece because you that's one of my problems i think that I have when, when people, when people talk and speak of hope and when people think about it. And I really, I really wanted to, wanted to just stake my claim on that in the book was that hope is, hope is a many faced thing. Mm-hmm. Hope is a, hope is a whole lot of different things for different people. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, as I say in the book, it's like, Madeline is telling the singer that it's like his hope is like to rule the world basically to go and you know tour stadiums and do these huge things yeah yeah hers is literally like she just wants to like wake up every day you know have a cigarette in the morning go out and like maybe get you know just make it until she goes to the bar at night yeah and like she's just hoping that she just like kind of can keep that momentum going mm-hmm. and then you string days into weeks and weeks into years and that's how she'll kind of get through it and yeah. that's and that's good enough well how can I tell Madeline that I think it's time she moved on Better life that she had in mind for us. Well, that fairy tale's all gone. But I still put on the dress, try to impress the girl in the mirror who knows she's worth more than this. I tell her it still fits, and if I want it, I could quit this job and get. She thought would exist. I really loved the idea of exploring that this is an older woman telling a younger guy what's up and yeah. like what hope is and 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 f- trying to fix his brain, help him fix his brain because because that's happened a lot to me. I mean the the role of women in my life cannot be understated. You know, in terms of like my evolution, and my dad is a great guy. He's he's not that like toxic masculine, you know, kind of guy. We we don't necessarily see things the same way just because he's an engineer. He's very like, you know, things are black and white. It needs to. It's yeah, either yeah. broken or it's fixed. You know, and I'm like, but man, it's like different. It's like all these different <laughs> shades, and you, you just like, how do you feel about? You know, that's how it kind of always worked for me and but you know it just beyond that so i never had like a negative male role model other than like maybe some of the guys i worked with or just sort of like this greater societal pressure to be a man in one specific way but i think i was helped along because i've had such strong women my mother my my mom first of all just like 
just an incredible woman, like an educator, someone who like really gives a shit about what she's doing and like really works hard and is there for so many people and is so important in so many people's lives, you know, or my grandma, who's like, (laughs) it was like, Everyone used to call, you know, basically say it's like, oh, well, we know who the head mayor is in the house. Oh, okay. we, yeah, you know, yeah. But like tough, like just tough and strong in her own way. And then I surrounded by aunts, you know, my my mom's sisters uh, just and then all the way to like my wife, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like so, so many, in in the way that in the awful way that she should never have had to has had to indulge my stupidity or like just deal with me being a dumb asshole in in so many ways and helping give me the space to kind of learn and and fail and be better and grow and do better and to be and and to help me and to not you know not sugarcoat things and to just really let me evolve and become the good man that I'm hoping to be. Mm-hmm. But being a good man only happens through, you know, good, you know, women being there and, and really helping you. And being a good man means being open to that feminine side or being open to yeah. all those different perspectives. So that's why it was really important for me to kind of get that out there because I think we have we have such a problem with men right now um, specifically like kind of younger white men being disenfranchised, you know, feeling not being, but feeling disenfranchised yeah. or yeah. feeling like they're lost or whatever. And there is, you know, there's a whole lot of, a lot of pain there. There's a lot of loneliness that gets covered up by anger and everything that just kind of gets swept over and you know, because I don't think they're willing to see that within themselves, that they are really hurting, that they're actually just sad. And part of my mission in life as a, as a man who thinks about these things, who has, is trying to be a little bit more involved with his thinking and just a bit more open, a bit more, um, okay with himself mm-hmm. and with his emotions and everything is to try to bring that to other men in a yeah, way. Yeah. Cause I think that's, cause I don't think it has to be the problem is, is that we put a lot of this stuff on women or we put a lot of this stuff on other people, other groups rather than ourselves and say, it's like, we need to kind of fix this shit from the inside. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so part of, part of like one of the things I'd like to do in, in terms of, if there's any way that I can use my art to advocate or whatever is to just focus on that, you know, showing men that it doesn't have to be what they're kind of told. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, and, and how you do that is I haven't been able to write a good song to say that. So I just have to do it through like, and I've tried, they all come out real shit. They all come <laughs> yeah, out like seems, real yeah. preachy and bad, but regardless, it's, I think that's, that's an important area that I'd like to, that I'd like to explore and I, I think yeah. is, is, is something that I'd like to try to work in more, mm-hmm. but, but no, it's, I think that it's great that you like took this opportunity to like really present that. And yeah, I think it resonates and I, and you're absolutely like spot on that. There's just a lot of outside influence of what you need to be. And, um, yeah, especially as, yeah, like a straight white guy of like, American, like you can do whatever you want. It's oh, the American yeah. way. Just go and do this stuff. But, um, and then if it, yeah, if it doesn't line up, it's that other person's fault, which, yeah, again, is kind of what you talked about in this, in this book of like blaming someone else for him, you know, being a shitty dude, you know, like, yeah, for, for a period of time, you know, but just kind of being, uh, and lashing yeah. out and, and saying that it's, yeah. it's not me, it's some guy else, it's somebody else driving the car. And it's like, no, asshole, that's you. Mm-hmm. That's you driving the car. Yeah, yeah. That's who you are. And and I think for a long time, it's like, I I would do that too. I, I mean, I am not immune to, you know, these, th- you know, vice or, you know, being shitty to people. It's like, I, I try to be a good person, but I am... I am normal. I'm, I'm regular, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I am human. So I'm going to be bad in, in certain ways. And I think that was part of it was thinking that it's like, 
You know, it's like, well, why, why is this happening? It's, it's not me. It's like, it's, my brain is, is fucking with me. It's doing these things. It wants me to be angry. It wants me to be, you know, mad and, and stuff like that. And just realizing it's like, no, you got to own that shit because that's you. And if like, you don't do the work to like fix that, that shit's going to be a poison that's going to infect you and all the people around you. And it's going to make life miserable for people around you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you realize that like being kind is a million times easier than being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Life, I think, really opens up to, to you because it's it's just the difference between like you know someone cuts you off in traffic and you not like responding and whipping around and cutting them off. It's like you know because yeah. who's the asshole then? You yeah. know you you've now supplanted them as like king asshole. So it's like if you can just find a way to be calm to calm yourself and realize that like this is like such a small moment it doesn't affect me and let that wash over you and i think that was you know i I think that was part of my growth as a person was just realizing that yeah you don't you know you can to like focus on kindness and goodness yeah you know and if that is like your operating principle right there you're already off to a good start yeah yeah again like i said to live a good life quietly yeah like just be good to people sometimes that's all that's the best you can do yes of course yeah yeah but um but yeah i mean with regard to the album uh you know to talk just a little bit more maybe we can kind of shout out a couple of the songs yeah um but i'm kind of interested in the process i mean you went up to big nice studios up in uh in lincoln and uh you know had a couple of weekends there from what i understand but can you talk a little bit about your experience and um you know how did it come out from your preparation prior to it to the final result like how did that shape itself how did it change how did it you know uh, develop during the recording process and you know with the group of people that you made this album with yeah i all the guys that are on the album i really chose because i i I trusted their vision and I trusted who they are. Um, Mark Medeiros, Matt Passeroni, Will Evans, Ryan Cowell, Brian St. Pierre, Dylan Lagama. I just really trusted them to bring their own voice. Again, that's like kind of that improvisational aspect to it is like, I have the bones of these songs I think are good. You know, I, I started out by writing the songs and, and really working on the melodies and the harmonies and, making sure, but the arrangements themselves, I knew were going to really, I had my ideas, I had plans, mm-hmm. but I knew they were really going to come out once I got these tunes in front of this group of, okay. yeah. of, of guys who were really going to help me with this. Because I, because I had been working with all of them for so long and I just known them in different projects, you know, and we had been, you know, playing this music before, you know, with some of the seven song stuff yeah, they a lot of them had played on that, or were just like lifelong collaborators, like guys that I'll be with forever. So I just really trust their intentions, and so I knew that okay, we'll just I'll get these tunes, I'll put them in front. We had a couple of rehearsals. Through that, we kind of figured out some basic. If I didn't already have an arrangement in my head, then we would kind of like figure out what we could do or different ways that you know, for instance, like Ryan. Ryan Cowell is, um, he's a brilliant percussionist and just has a great ear for doing all sorts of different stuff. So Mm -hmm. using him to like, okay, how can we put him on different things? Or like, you know, Dylan and Matt are both bass players, but Dylan is, you know, primarily like an upright player. Matt is an electric player. So the songs that I really am feeling like this deserves an upright, the timbre of an upright bass. Yeah. I go to Dylan and trust that. Dylan's instincts are going to be as good as I'd want them to. And without fail, I was right 100% of the time to just like let them have it. Yeah, okay. You know, let them have at it and we'll figure it out. Because again, part of the soul of this album is that sort of like rock and roll ethos, that bar band ethos of just like, fuck it, we're going to do it. We're going to play it and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And we're just like... Like, let's go. Like, you know you know what to do on your part. I know what to do on mine. Let's make it mm-hmm. happen. And with that idea in the back of my head, we just rehearsed a couple of times. And then leading up to the recording session, then when we got in, 
we made sure that as many people could play simultaneously as possible on each song. So I was in a booth just doing scratch vocals and scratch guitar, leading the band. Like if you could hear some of the, some of my like vocal, you know, quote unquote vocal takes where I'm like just calling out like directions to like, you know, B, the B in the section go. And you know, just, and just yelling things or like cheering guys on like as we're playing. So it was just, we, we just had as much of the band playing as at the same time as possible, but to get that feeling of like yeah. this real live, yeah. impactful sound. And so there were a couple of tunes where we played, you know, a couple of different takes. We'd have to do, you know, pretty much full takes every time. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, to be honest, I, I was amazed how quickly it all came together and how effortlessly there were there were a couple of different tomorrow we had a little bit of problems with um just kind of getting into it and getting and getting the sort of magnitude of that song because it's a it's a bigger song and yeah. then the one that I thought we were gonna have the most trouble with a better game with that there's a bridge section where the chords get really screwy okay it's just a blues it's a basic blues form mm-hmm. but the chords get really weird like some augmented chords with and i had this bass line like i was really specific about that but that we kind of knocked that out in like two takes which was so surprising but the recording process because of honestly bradford krieger man he at <laughs> big nice like big nice studios you go to brad he is just it's like I told him, and I texted, it's like, the thing is, I'm not surprised at the quality of all this, because I know how good you are. Yeah. But yeah. I am also just taken aback, like, wow, it really is that good. It's like my surprise of the quality of the music didn't come because, like, anything that, like, I just, I trusted so much. It was just like, the surprise was more just like the... um it was more like the, um, um, like the the surprise came from just being elated that oh my god it this happened is, yeah this came together this yeah finally it was forever I've had this idea of what I wanted my music to sound like and what I wanted to explore and a song like a better game it's really different from the other ones. Mm-hmm. And like Madeline's really poppy, whereas like tomorrow is like this almost like crooning ballad, like you'd see at a musical. Then there's like the rockabilly stuff. And a better game is like this big weird jumbly mess that I was like, it was kind of my statement piece of being like, this is, this is who I am. It's just this weird assembly of parts. Okay. And I'm just kind of like this rat rod machine <laughs> kind of driving around. Like there's some rust there. It's not pretty. It's not all great. And there's like some parts off of like this weird car that you found in a junkyard. But together they make this thing that just kind of hums along the highway, you know, doing 90. <laughs> At least that's what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. You know. Sunlight is fading as the rain sets in. The street lights cut the dark sky on the sidewalk again. I'm laying on the corner trying to see the world better. Trying to generate a way to play a better game Cause if it's all the same then I'll never figure it out I mean there's a lot of different uh, styles that you've kind of incorporated here You know from the, the more kind of bar band, you know, Americana stuff to um, you know, in the middle of the album, you know, Hurricane um, and stuff like that has like a little bit more of like that Tom Waitsy, yeah. kind of like bluesy feel to it. Um, my favorite, I'd probably say, is uh, On the Day is, uh, you know, this delicate, like sad solo piano song, you know. Um, oh, yeah. 
so i mean i i love that one and it's you know again it's also just like a different uh completely different thing where you know previous songs have everyone playing percussion yeah just sounds just um you know i think i've seen some of the instagram photos of just ryan is just beating the hell out of everything something, you know like yeah. and it all comes together um but then on that particular song it's you and a piano correct you know like or yeah um and that I, one just comes through to me. I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I love sad songs. Yeah, you know, sad. Well, <laughs> like you, Christian, man. you know, and I play in High Plains. It's just like... I know, we you know, joked about that the other was day. a song that wasn't even going to make the album. And I was like, we need to put this on the album, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, dude, I mean, sad songs say things the way they are sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they give it to us exactly how we need it. Like, you know... Not everything needs to be this upbeat, terrific song. Mm -hmm. Like the really the the stuff that's going to make you feel stuff the most mm -hmm. to to like feel yourself the most is it's going to be that sad song. And and the, I'm I'm really glad you chose on the day because uh, this it was a weird song. It was it it, it is probably. I wouldn't say the most shoehorned into the narrative of any of the songs, but okay. it was a song I really wanted to record because, um, so this entire album is, like I say, at the, at the beginning, you know, of the novella in, in the album is, um, it's for Shelly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's for my wife because, you know, it's, as I've said in the in the kind of like thank yous and everything is like I've been and as I said earlier I've been every evolution of the guy in that book and I've been everything good and bad you know uh, and I've been a young man with her because we've been together a long time I've been young I've been older and through it she's just been so solid and so important to me and you know one of the things about being in a relationship this long and when we got married and everything is like, you start thinking about like, you know, what happens, you know, when, you know, when we're 80, when we're 85, when we're 90, you know, what's, what's going to happen mm -hmm. when, when one of us ultimately has to go, you know, and dies. And I just, I remember just sitting there once thinking thinking about all of this because I, I tend to, I tend to spend a lot of time thinking about death and dying. I, I'm slightly obsessed with it because I, I, I see it as like, there's this big looming clock on the horizon. And I think that's why what motivates me sometimes to do so much is because it just feels like so finite that it's like, well, I have all this stuff I want to get down and I know that that's coming up. So mm. I need to make sure that, I need to make sure I'm making as much as possible so I can put as much of myself out there. Yeah. So maybe in some way I don't disappear, I'm guessing, is what the whole motivation of that is, is that like I will die and become music and that will be enough. But through that, it got me thinking of like, well, what, do I, what can I leave behind? If I'm to go first, it's... I had the realization that uh, on like literally what I say in the song on the day I die, whatever day that is, whatever that happens, however old I am, that the sun's going to come up for her, you know, that she's going to get into traffic that, you know, it's going to be raining on a day that she doesn't want to. Yeah. Or, you know, she'll have, you know, she'll still have to pay her taxes She'll yeah. still have to do all this stuff and it's going to be so terribly banal and so boring and basic and that she's going to be in this weird state of grief that is going to, that the, is this kind of like weird uncaring world is, is just not going to, you know, is, is just, it's just the world's not really going to care about that. It's, she's going to have to suffer through that, you know, and mm -hmm. what way, what is it that I could do to maybe make that easier? 
you know, and the only way I kind of know how to do stuff like that is, is by jabbering and talking a lot, but that doesn't help. <laughs> but, um, you know, I could, I could make something. Okay. Well, I could, you know, make a box. I, I'm not good at that. What I do is I write songs mm-hmm. and, and I, and I wanted to write something that could be a gift in the book. Madeline, Madeline's husband, Ron wrote it for her in the same way that I wrote it for shell is that just knowing that we have that connection, I know how hard it's going to be when, if I die before her and I just couldn't live with myself, if I didn't do something that could just maybe ease her a little bit mm-hmm. and just let her know that I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. This terrible, awful, uncaring, you know, world is just going to keep going mm-hmm. and you're just going to have to deal with it, but don't not to worry that we're okay. Mm-hmm. Now I've played that for her before I played her the song once the way I did it though, <laughs> probably not the best because I wanted to, I thought it was a good song. Like you performed the song for her. I or did. Like, okay, but yeah. I didn't tell her that it was happening. Okay. Um, and that was probably a bad idea. Because it was like a surprise, like, hey, here's this real, like, sad song about de- about me dying and everything. And so I surprised her with it at a at a gig once. And so, but I'll tell you what, it worked. She, you know, like, it, it you know, she, I, I just looked up and, like, I'm, I'm choking up. And then I just, just to look at her, you know, and, and, and to see her. You know, just her face. It's like it, it kind of said everything to me that I was hoping that it would say was that, like, mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, the final song, "The Trials," is you know different. It's much more like a shuffly, upbeat yeah. country song that you know kind of rounds out the album. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought of that one as like the, that's my closing credits song. Yeah, you yeah. know, because it's 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 saying everything that you know, was said throughout the whole thing, just like kind of re encapsulating it. Yeah. You know, I, I had written it originally because, um, as you and I both know a lot of people who, you know, struggle with various things, you know, sobriety or, you know, mental health or whatever it is. It's, um, there, there are a lot of songs that talk about, you know, addiction or, you know, depression in a way where it's just like, oh man, I'm really depressed. Or it's like, hey, you know, work through it. You can get through it. Or like, what, you know, there's, there are a lot of positive songs. There's also a lot of negative songs that just kind of like look at the folly of it all. But I really, yeah. I really want to write a song that kind of like celebrates all the phases of that. All the people who are at the beginning stages of their work, you know, who are like really working to get themselves better. People who have, you know, who find themselves in a better life than they were before. The, and then the people who are also really struggling mm-hmm. and who like, you know, maybe have relapsed a couple of times or mm-hmm. people who are really having a tough time just doing it. And then also the people who were kind of conquered by these demons Yeah, and to celebrate them. Cause I think a lot of, you know, growing up, it's like, like alcoholism for an, for example, it's like alcoholism is now thought of as like a disease and is like something that like people take seriously that is actually like affecting and like there's a physiological thing mm-hmm. that's going on. But for a lot of time, you know, for the majority of my life, it's been like, suck it up. Come on. Yeah. Like just stop. You know, like that's the mentality yeah. behind it. And so when people. Or you're, you're a bad person for what ex- you're doing. You absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're weak. You're, yeah. you're, you know, you're nothing. You're this, you're that. Yeah. And. And I wanted to write a song that like celebrates those people that are that are working on themselves that have, you know, that are sober or who are working on it or even those who who couldn't who couldn't quite get there that mm-hmm. unfortunately they were, you know, they 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 just couldn't couldn't get there and they lost their lives or yeah and it just and to just kind of you know raise a glass to them and to you know raise raise a glass of water to them and just say like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, this is, this is for you, you know? Yeah. And, 
and again, and like kind of the whole album it, it kind of leads up to that in this way of like, you know, these people who struggle through their lives who are really trying to work for something better and, and hopefully getting there. I think part of the joy I had in writing this album and writing the, the no, novella was that it gave me a chance to really dig into a lot of the stuff and over explain in certain ways that I obviously like to do, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to, as you know, from podcasting, you know, to bring it full circle back to talk about podcasting is like half the fun of this is that you get to actually talk and like really get into the fine, you know, grit of everything. You you get out the fine sandpaper, you know, it's not just yeah. all this kind of like rough, like, mass magazine article you know 800 words to yeah. explain this thing you get to sit in and you do a great job man of sitting down with people and letting them talk and i've said i say this to you all the time that i one of one of your strengths as an interviewer is to just you you make people comfortable and you in that space where they mm -hmm. get where they're just going to talk and they they're comfortable enough to just like it's a chat. Like there's not like this weird pretense that I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to like I did in our last interview where I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta give all the right answers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's an ease to it that I think you bring to it that you should be real proud of, oh, man. Thank you. You, yeah. you do a really good job with this. And I, I sincerely thank you every time that we get to talk and we get to hang like this. Yeah, of course. You know? no, it's, it's cool. And I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's a very intentional thing going back to even before I started this of like recognizing that this is meant to, you know, record these stories of people and that it's not my story, you know, right. like it's not who I am as a musician or anything like that. Um, it's what someone has lived, what they have done to make an album, what they have done to write a book, you know, about yeah. that, you know, that's connected to that, like all of that type of stuff, what their experiences behind the microphone, behind a drum set, whatever else. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, you know, conscious thing to, to do that, but I'm glad that it comes through. I'm yeah, glad man. That, that people enjoy that. And they're not like, how come James doesn't say anything? You know? No, like, no. I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> it is a very uh, purposeful thing. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, to, I like, love when you, space, you know, so I love when you interject and you, you kind of bring your own personality. That's, that's important. But yeah, I mean, with, uh, Madeline, like when and where can people pick this up? It's going to be available um, December 9th. It'll be available yeah. everywhere that you can stream music, that you can purchase music digitally. I'll have it on my website, benjaminshawmusic.com, so you can purchase it there. If you purchase it there, um, all the money does go directly to me. There is no like middleman in between. That's the great thing about being an independent musician is yeah. that if, if you buy the music, you are directly supporting me. And honestly, if you stream the music... You're directly supporting me. So if you like Spotify, you like Apple Music, you are still supporting me in some way. I would love if you would, if people would buy the music and buy the novella, either, you know, come to a show. I have, I have to figure out shipping. You do such a good job with shipping and everything with the stickers and everything. I got to okay. figure that out too. But, um, so right now it's like, come to a show and, you know, if, if you're interested in a CD, I have CDs and I'm going to have um, books, actual physical books printed out, which yep. will come with a digital download of the of the album. But if you like that kind of physical good, please come to a show, especially December 9th, where we'll be opening. We'll be uh, playing of the release show at Machines with Magnets. It's a uh, doors open at eight. You can go to BenjaminShawMusic.com slash Madeline dash album. <laughs> to get all the details, yep. to hear previews of all that, get all the... I have links to the Spotify, the Bandcamp, all the different services that you'd use, and tickets available through Eventbrite. So, yeah. so if they go there, and, you know, or if they just go to BenjaminShawMusic.com slash Madeline uh, after December 9th, that'll d directly link to... Um, all the kind of like digital liner notes. So they'll be able, okay. to, re be able to read like um, my kind of like intro to the album. They'll get a preview of the novella. They'll get to listen to the music online on my site. So yeah, yeah. So a after December 9th, that'll be live and ready to go. Nice. 
But yeah, can you talk just a little bit more about the album release show? I mean, you just said, yeah, Machines with Magnets in Pawtucket. Yeah. Uh, which is like a cool gallery space. Um, Chrissy Stewart is opening oh, up yes. full bands. Um, I, she hasn't played in quite some time. So she, know, um, I, yeah, I am just talk about that night. And yeah, yeah. I'm super excited that Chrissy is opening up because, and, and I've told her this and I hope she doesn't think that I'm just pulling her leg, but I got to sit in with her band. I actually got to be a part of her album, um, house of Christina. I got to play saxophone on one of the tracks. I think more songs could have used saxophone. I'm just saying, no, no, yeah. <laughs> it was a, it, like, it was a fantastic album. And that was, it blew me away the quality of the album because I, I knew Chrissy from like working with her through PVD Live, but like as a musician, I didn't really have a lot of a lot of knowledge of her as a musician. Yeah. But that album was so good, like yeah, so well yeah. recorded and the playing on it is so I I love that song Dissolve. I couldn't yes. literally listen to that every day and just be fine. Um but then I got to play in the band at uh uh the um isco the distillery yeah and it was like the quality of the musicians in the band i was like holy crap it was just everyone was so in sync it was like it was honestly one and i this is what i told her and i again i hope she believes me because it's absolutely true was after playing in her band was the moment was one of those moments that uh, probably like the moment where i decided it's like yeah we can if we focus in, make something really great. Mm-hmm. Like you can, like we can make this music sound like the pros. Not that we weren't already doing it, but you know, me and my band and everything that I was doing. But when I saw her and just like the way like that this band like got into the groove and really focused in and was like, yeah, you can really do this music really well and be pro musician in sound pro and that's when i went to the guys and i said like listen that was one of the big things when we were recording i said we we have an opportunity to make something great i really believe in these songs i believe in all of you who are playing these songs if we just focus in and we focus in at the rehearsals and we make a point and say we are going to make something great we will achieve that that's Mm -hmm. what it takes is that kind of like discipline in that that focus, that unerring, you know, stare down yeah. of of the possibility of that. And watching her band and being a part of that album was like the moment that kind of shifted my brain. So having her as the opening set is in, is incredibly uh, meaningful to me. Yeah, and the the show where I'm trying to make it a thing. I'm, I'm yeah. not gonna. My goal is to play less in Rhode Island. Like I'm, go- I'm gonna try to play like maybe like f- my stuff like four times a year. But every time we play, I want to make it something cool's happen. I want, yeah. I want to make it like a thing. And so this one we got a lot planned. I- I'm not gonna tell you exactly everything that we got no, planned, that's fine. but yeah, people gotta show up. But it's gonna be multi, you know, multidisciplinary. There's gonna be stuff that's happening moments that you know i'm hopefully if everything goes according to plan you know moments will pop up that i think will be really surprising and interesting to people and hopefully really kind of give you another level of you know uh feeling for this album and this project you know kind of kind of get you a little bit more inside it. I love it. That's awesome. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been really cool to get to talk to you about Madeline and uh, just, I mean, it's it's a really cool record, really cool concept that you put out there. A lot of great work with the novella and, and the album. And, uh, you know, I really recommend everyone check that out December 9th. Head to the show, um, you know, head to Machines with Magnets. Check out what Ben is cooking up i know he's been talking about it. he just you know just teased it again but uh yeah I, I just love what you're doing of just making special things um, thanks man and uh yeah i appreciate your time and i uh, will see you at the show thanks james i appreciate it cool here's to the trials here's to those who found their way those in revival 
And those who lived through their last days Here we stand Trying to wipe the egg from our faces Hoping we don't end up branded by the hell we raised The trail was tough, a mix of mud and gravel road More than enough to drive away those lesser souls But you stuck it out and tried to fill that ditch But you came on out the other side One surly son of a bitch who gave up Embraced your burden long ago Topped off your cup with venom that you didn't know As the stones around you shift beneath your feet You fell to the bottom where the air is rotten And you only had the pride to eat, yeah well, here's to the trials And here's to those who found their way Those who revival Those who lived through their last days Here we stand Trying to wipe the egg from my faces Hoping we don't end up branded by the hell Side, gonna make it hard to drag it back to the rock and make you holler But even if you're waving, you still have your honor You don't need a collar to have a little faith in you That you rot and throw it back and toast the battles that you fought. Assumption, miss your lips and let it slip, it'll purify the ground. Cause now the path we walk is sanctified, so here's to the next round. 